Welcome to episode 19 of The Sounds of the Rising. Today you will have the pleasure of listening to me in conversation with one of my most beloved friends, Anna Makalska-Tomaja. I first met Anna when Caleb was a tiny baby. We were at the wedding of a mutual friend and I'd heard of Anna through our friend. I knew that she was moving back from Switzerland, I believe it was, um, to be home close to her family in Leicestershire and her husband, her Italian husband, Pietro, was moving with her. They had two children, Matteo and Gracie, and Gracie was also a a tiny baby at, at the wedding that we were at. She was actually much smaller than Caleb. I got to know Anna more and more over the years to come and Gracie and Caleb became the best of friends. It was actually one of the hardest parts of us leaving Leicestershire was taking Caleb away from Gracie. Such kindred spirits in terms of their their energy, their imagination, the way they saw and see, continue to see the world. Anna I say over and over again to anyone I meet when I'm talking about her is literally the kindest person I have ever met. And I would imagine anyone listening to this would ever have met if you have the pleasure of meeting her. She has a soul like no other I have ever known. She's kind. She's generous. She is there for you whenever you need her. She is ethereal, as I mentioned in the podcast itself. She's like from another world. The art that she produces is unique and beautiful and the gifts that she shares with humanity and the love and creativity that she wants to express and share with other humans is is really truly a a really a real honor for anyone who gets to be within her environment so I'm so honored to be able to share today this conversation with Anna and for her to have the opportunity to be able to share her story So I've spoken in the intro about how we know each other. Um, Really, this is now for you to just, for us to like launch into you and everything you have to say. Um, What I would love, and we would all love to hear at the beginning right now is, is your story. Like what led you to being the woman that you are today? Okay, so... I've been on a little bit of a journey of late, um, just reconnecting with the inner child, um, the part of me where my awareness about myself kind of really became apparent. Um, So I've always been intrinsically creative and I have always had this gift of being able to express both my feelings, emotions, um, and this kind of nonverbal language through drawings um, and through images. And that's basically where my journey started. Probably one of my earliest memories is, was being a, a child sitting in a room, sort of drawing everything that was happening around me. I'm trying to make sense of the world Um, and at the time I think you know children tend to do a lot of mark making and we we look at what they do and we don't really identify or analyze but my understanding now is that this was my tool to understand the way that humans be human beings um, interconnect and socialize Um, sometimes it was dealing with um, 
specific things that might have happened to me. Um, and so I've kind of over the years followed a very creative path. Um, fortunately, I wasn't guided down kind of an academia led route. Uh, my parents were very open about my talents and gifts um, and supported me when I wanted to follow more of a creative path, I guess. So from childhood, um, struggled at school, found um, academia-led uh, education, uh, not kind of my thing really, but I was aware of it. And um, stepping into art college, A-level art actually, I had a, a wonderful teacher and she was immensely kind. She was a wonderful lady who looked so arty. She used to wear long black outfits, this kind of 60s eyelash flicks across her, her eyes. She looked very moon motherish, actually. Um, but one of the things that really guided me and made me believe in myself was her teaching and her um, kind of, yeah, I guess kindness was a massive part of it. Um, and it gave me that confidence to continue to follow my journey and step into an art realm, a creative realm, um, a non, well, very visual, but non kind of academia led realm. So it gave me the opportunity to begin my, I guess, alchemistic journey, playing with materials, playing with tools, um, and feeling really at one with my true self. And I kind of, I've really kept quite to this path, actually. I think that my inner will is quite strong. My force is quite strong. Um, so whatever journey I've taken, and I've um, been through kind of the standardised art college and then worked in different um different kind of places afterwards, um, galleries, etc. I've kind of stuck to a creative path. Um, doing an arts degree is a little bit difficult when you leave because you do not know what path you can follow. It's very, very strange. You're given this big opportunity to play for three years, which is absolutely wonderful, but you leave not really knowing where you fit in the world and how your gifts can be used in the world. So. A lot of us um, end up following uh, kind of a teaching path, a didactic path. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, I went to a teaching college and got my PGCSE. And then after that, um, began teaching. So started off teaching in England and then um, decided to go and live in Spain for a few years, which was a really wonderful, enlightening moment, I think, in my kind of life pattern so far, life journey. Um, and whilst I was there, I really learned a lot about myself. I was in a, a country where I didn't know the language, by myself, trying to sort of decipher how to make choices and uh, what path I would like my life to lead so I'd really stepped into the sort of decision making part of myself um, and that led me to first of all teach English as a foreign language to adults and I had no idea what I was doing to begin with I had a little bit of a experience from doing a summer school in Poland but I am really pretty good at winging things so I um, I did that for a few years and then stepped back into um, teaching in secondary school. But the school that I was teaching with was, um, it was beautiful. It's like an old, in an old orange grove in the mountains. It was a convalescent home, um, had been in the past. So it was a beautiful location. And I was given a lot more freedom than maybe I would have been if I had been teaching here in the UK. So on the hot days, I used to, lead the children outside a bit like Maria von Trapp into the garden and we'd be like uh, creating outside doing our paintings in the garden or we would uh, do a little bit of a 
a drama um, scene, some sort of theatre outside. It was it was really a lovely, lovely time, really enlightening in terms of my um, my teaching. And then, um, as with a lot of teaching careers, uh, my other tasks were being kind of pushing my creativity further and further away from me. And I came to the conclusion that I needed to step back into my own practice a little bit more. So I came back to the UK um, and started to do some voluntary arts projects with some local organisations. Um, whilst in Spain, I'd worked as a volunteer in the evening with um, adults with additional gifts, which had opened up um, a whole new realm of this nonverbal communication. Um, it was incredible, humbling um, experience. And one that I've fortunately had the chance to use here in the UK since then. Um, but yeah, I came back and I did all sorts of community arts projects, um, worked with children who were struggling. Um, and through those experiences, um, I allowed myself time also to develop my own journey, my own intuitive, creative journey. Um, so my, uh, my paint started off at the end of my bedroom. <laughs> my canvases started off on kitchen tables and then step by step, um, because I am a collector of many, many art materials or any materials, um, I eventually ended up with my own space and um, kind of done a full circle really. So my space now, um, over this kind of whole last two years, I've set it up so that people can also come find their own creative soul and um, I can support them on that journey to be vulnerable. So yeah, um, that's where I have been and that's where I am probably still at the moment. Uh, it's quite interesting being a creative and artist because it's like opening up a bo box of tools, a bit like the essential oils. You don't really know what you're going to end up with. Um, I tend to be in my own personal practice very guided rather than goal-driven. Um, or objective driven. People tend to find it more comfortable to have an objective um, because it's hard to experience the journey. Whereas the journey for me is the most important part. Um, and I think a lot more people are beginning to realize that too. So yeah, I, I now spend part of my time going out into the community and working with different types of people. Other times people are coming to me asking for a little bit of creative support, um, just giving people access to tools. A lot, a lot of the time it's adult education, but um, yeah, giving people access to the tools that maybe they haven't used since childhood. And within the children's workshop, my kind of idea is to keep the momentum of play and flow um, and, and sort of let children know that they have access to these tools forever. They don't go when you're an adult, they're there, they're part of you, they're in your cells, your, your very being really. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's where I am now. Yeah, I think, you know, what's so interesting in that story to me is you know, so many of us have have to really work at finding ourselves and our passions. And I'm not saying that you haven't had to do that because no doubt you have, and maybe you'll speak more to that. But, you know, right from such a young age, this very intrinsic part of you came out and your parents embraced that you know, which is, is such a gift because for so many, you know, it's pushed away and other things are seen as more important. And so perhaps more than others, and, and you know, tell me if I'm, I'm wrong with this, but perhaps more than others, you have 
being able to live a life that is more true to who you are from an earlier age than, than many people. And, and it, in that you have a gift that you can help others then find it in themselves at, at a later stage. Yeah, I think there was a lot of guilt actually around that feeling of not having had a difficult childhood. It's a really strange thing to say that, but um, although I would say I've always used my art as my tool for therapy, just deciphering, I think I'm a natural sensitive person, um, which often comes along with, with being creative. But so sometimes trying to decipher what it felt like to live in the real world without getting hurt was a difficult thing to do. So it's difficult because some people's stories that I hear are just massive, immense, and mine doesn't feel very big in terms of the sufferance, which is a strange thing to feel guilty about, but yeah. But yes, I think the more that I have become braver and more vulnerable, the more I realize that actually my role here is really to yeah, just allow people to realize they have access to these tools and really to take themselves back sometimes to that starting point, you know, the mark making, the exploration of the world and whether that's through art history, because actually, if you look at the, the beginning of kind of mankind, these marks on cave wall paintings, um, try, they, they really explain this connection that we have with nature there's no division. We're all entwined. We're all interconnected. Um, and we've lost that. We've, we've kind of created this very uh, structured and false sense of what's right and what's wrong and the way that society should be and what children should be doing in school. And, and yeah, I, I think I had a natural inclination to always slightly rebel anyway I found things difficult so it didn't it didn't feel easy to kind of sit within maybe maths that side of my brain was not very switched on um, but because of that I maybe overworked the other side of my brain a little bit more um, so yes I don't know if I answered your question. There. Yeah, no, it's just, <laughs> no, yeah, it's just so you did, but it's just so interesting, like to me. Um, you know, I know you, I know you well, and you know, you've uh, you've always been someone to me that has like an ethereal quality about her, and she, you know, you, she is is someone that has her place in the world, and it's very clear to everyone from the outside who Anna is, and you know, what she represents and what she believes. Um, and, you know, I, again, you know, I know you. Um, so I know that you've had your struggles, but, and, and that I want to get into that a little bit in a minute, like around, you know, wounds and stories that you've perhaps had to let go of along the way in order to really lead you to, to who you are now. How old are you now? 40? 45. 45, okay. So December. 46 in December so like you know I know that it's not as simple as I was creative I knew that straight away and I, I was nurtured in that and my life is just complete like absolutely not but you have always had um you know there were the parts of you that were in inverted commas different were were embraced and that has allowed you to 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 explore from a very early age the things that you found purpose in um whereas for many many women you know that's not the case we have to you know figure that out later in life and with that experience that you've had like it's allowed you to to be the teacher that you are and I think that's you know a really beautiful thing because you you can see it's almost like you can see the inner child in people and I really feel that like you really have this desire to help them draw it out of themselves whether it be an actual child who's not able to do it because of society and the way the schooling system is today and like you want to nurture that through your children's lessons you know when you do that on the weekends or 
you have your beautiful like workshops in in your work your your workshop at the end of your garden for you know adults coming to you who you know need to find a way of expressing that that's in them that they have haven't they've had to hold back you know like you see that in people and and you help draw it out of them because of who you are and and I would imagine a big part of that is because you've always known how to express that part of yourself in a way that many of us haven't you know you've that I I don't know like yeah I I think because my what maybe it was through you know I don't know the language of my parents I understood what my strengths were I also understood what my weaknesses were too um and it hasn't always been easy to um accept that either but I think I filled my pot so highly up and really overflowed it with the experiences of being quite yes to experiences and not being frightened because I almost feel that it's interesting when somebody puts a line on a page and they'll sit and they tell me they can't draw and people tend to rely and fall heavily on that kind of language about what they can't do rather than what they can do. Um, I know that by the time they finished whatever they're doing, whether it's a painting, a drawing, a collage, whatever, something would have been purged out. And even if they are, they, the judgment side comes up, that part of them arises I mean, I am just simply there to support and facilitate. I really don't do the creative practice for them. But I know that the that part is just so beautiful when it happens. And even if it's really sad, even if it's a really sad experience that someone has to purge forward and outwards, it's just so necessary. Um, So my work will often have layers and layers of things and I might start from a really muddy place of slight darkness. Um, But the more that life throws at me, the more I realise, you know, there's a balance in everything and softness and strength. There's a balance in equal measures, um, joy and grief, light and dark. And all of those things actually apply very beautifully to um, creative practice, to art um, in general. So they create harmony, light and dark create harmony. Um, Yeah, so I was fortunate and you are right. I don't always realize that um, I have this gift, but I am becoming more and more aware of it. You do, you have a beautiful gift for like holding space for others. I mean, it's a gift, you know, that, you know is is very very unique and special to you the way that you do it and you know in any setting whether it's just one-on-one you know you you're a beautiful soul for like holding space and letting others release and express and it's definitely a gift of yours so you mentioned there that you are really realizing more of your gifts um what what would you say are Uh, can you pinpoint experiences or things that you've had to really work on and and know like in that moment you've had to see yourself and and your wounds and the stories and and find ways of of releasing them like yeah I think not conforming to what I think other people want me to be like (laughs) that's a big been a massive learning aspect I mean where I fit uh within my family I'm I'm the third of four children so I don't it's really weird I'm not in the middle I'm not the beginning I'm not the end I kind of feel like I don't know where I fit structurally um and because of that I think I spent a lot of time listening and trying to identify the world world through my ears um but I've also realized that that's absolutely fine didn't have to be super outspoken the loud one I didn't I didn't have to be like that I didn't realize at the time but I now I do um and I'm really interested in things like all forms of 
communication. The more that I work with nonverbal people, the more I realize that there's a gift within those people that resonate so deeply. Um, and we, we actually, as a society, don't realize all these gifts that other people can bring to you. And you can just be literally in the space without talking. You can just be in the space with somebody and through osmosis be transferred this energy of love. Um, and I think that's why I am a people's person. I do love contact with human beings or animals. I am, yeah, definitely it lights me. It lights me up. So you you said there about like not conforming to that. So you the, a big thing that you feel like you've had to release is that idea of what what how would you describe that like why did you think what what would you say would determine someone who was outspoken like why were they better than you in your mind like what is the story behind that I guess there was a there's probably the way that I visualized being brave maybe would have been to be louder shoutier (laughs) I don't know Whereas the gentleness and this feminine side, the soft feminine would, was almost suppressed a little bit. And I've realized that in order to be strong, you don't have to be loud, but maybe that's a kind of historical ancestral thing. Because actually I wouldn't say it's not come through my masculine lineage at all within my family I think my dad's quite a feminine man not effeminate but a a kind of feminine man Uh, my husband's the same they're soft they're not hard edges so I haven't had that strong male dominance at all but I think maybe externally I've picked up that there is a that undercurrent of well women don't really speak up it's interesting because the female figures that I look up to people like like Frida Kahlo, Hilma Afkimt um, there was a a wonderful painter called uh, Artemisia Gentileschi who was um, her father was a painter Italian painter and and she was uh, raped um, but he supported her to go to court which was really unheard of in those days um, and take the man who raped her to court and um, and as a result she actually had a really um, positive life as a female painter which was absolutely unheard of so it's having your voice heard but maybe in a different way mm, okay yeah I love that so you yeah when you when you speaking about your dad and and um your husband they're just very you have attracted into your life men that are very in touch actually with their emotions in a really beautiful way and and just so loving and you know present with the family and um it's it's interesting that you you know you reference there like the feeling of of the feminine like being soft like there's almost like I was picking up like what you were saying like the feminine is perhaps like initially you thought that softness was a weakness but actually what you've discovered is the strength within that yeah and it's like that is really you know how how I see you is that you know you know beautiful soft feminine but with so much so much connection like really interesting I love what you were saying earlier about that connection that innate connection with nature and how we're just all intertwined like I was just like straight away like I'm 100% like highlighting that in the in the highlight that I do of the podcast because I just love the way you said that like that intertwine between humanity and nature and the, the 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 power behind that is actually centered largely within the feminine like I one of the things that I love about 
John Wineland when he teaches is actually how much the masculine needs to experience that through the feminine and without our connection to that without the feminine connection to that whether it be in a woman or a man we don't get to experience it as humanity in the same way how would you say um the the feminine masculine elements I mean you go as big as you want I'm kind of interested in this myself I'm asking the question like how would you say they like feed into art history as a whole you know I'm very interested in that I don't know if you've got thoughts on it and and the suppression of the feminine perhaps hasn't has had an impact or, or has art actually allowed a release of the feminine in some ways that have almost been you know it's not it's it's been allowed because it's creative expression I mean maybe I don't know or maybe it's been suppressed maybe you feel a suppression around that and and how would you also then coming a bit smaller like say that that has the the two the interplay of the two has impacted in you in your work in your life um well I think I'm naturally drawn to female icon artists who who the more I've looked into their backstory the more I've kind of understood that they have this kind of connection they have so fundamentally at the beginning I think there was probably no no line or distinction between the masculine and feminine that often uh society was quite feminine led matriarchal so there was a strong the woman was as strong as the the man you know in the hunter-gatherer scenario it came maybe not in the sort of physical sense but in the coping sense of it coping with the elements um and survival too so i think you know, we've we've kind of started there in the right way. And then this interconnection with nature has always been there. It's intrinsic. But again, once we started to create societies, um, wall places, um, create boundaries, this is where all of that kind of shifted. And then obviously women were sort of perceived as doing quite manual jobs um i'm just sort of talking like victorian times um you know labor type of jobs so i think that step away from the creative part of us was kind of forced <laughs> a little bit um and a lot of these artists have been on this kind of inner journey um and then I feel like it's come full circle a little bit. So at the moment, I feel like art is just as much as a, of a language to portray political stance or a, a kind of stance on the way society is becoming genderless also. That's a kind of an, another thing, I guess, um, mm -hmm. which is certainly sort of true within schools and things now. There's definitely a, a massive shift in... I don't even know where that fits at the moment. I, I don't fully get it, to be honest, but I'm trying to work out where that shift is happening and whether it's a merge of the masculine and feminine together. Um, so it's interesting. So a lot of my sort of very, very intuitive pieces, people will often see as quite connected to internal organs, often sexual organs of the body. And um, I don't, it's never meant to be anything like that, the sort of tissue and flow. I mean, if you look at, there's an artist called Georgia O'Keefe. If you look at her close-ups of flower heads and things like that, yes, they are, they have that feel, but I don't seem, see that as erotic. I just see that as natural. It's nature. It isn't erotic. We've just created all these boxes around things. And that's true also in art too I think you have to feel something if you're going down the route of finding your creative soul 
to connect with that inner child and to connect with that inner creative, these things will come up and you won't be able to explain them. If you'd rather go and sort of perceive your creative from looking at other people's art and then your judgment starts to kind of come into that too. So yeah, I, th I think it, there is definitely a masculine feminine surge, but I also feel like the masculine kind of art is softening too. I don't know. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just the way I want to see it. <laughs> Would you say like people like, oh gosh, I'm so limited with my, with my artist knowledge, but um, in the time where, I mean, what is it true that largely, you know, let, let's look back over the last sort of three, 400 years, the majority of artists up, up until the last century were, were men. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, as any female artist will tell you now, if you are a woman, if you want to have babies mm. and a family, it's very difficult to make art your main um, main job. It's just really, really hard because all the other parts of you are pulled in many different directions. Whereas oftentimes, um, thinking like the pre-Raphaelites, um, they were a group of men who did these beautiful images, um, but you know, they came from money. They came from backgrounds of money. Um, and although their images are beautiful and often portray these wonderful, I don't know, you, you would, will know um, Ophelia, which is the lady in the, in the lake, um, portray these beautiful women. Actually, these women had suffered to be their muses. So, it's quite hard. It, it was a gritty journey, I think, for a woman. Um, and very easy journey for a man in terms of that, because there wasn't this whole um, kind of, or isn't this whole thing of being the housekeeper. The... So that side of things, I think, is, is very, very difficult if you want to be a female artist with a family. And the ones just one sort of female artist that springs to mind, Tracy Emin, for example, contemporary. <laughs> She's had a very, very, very difficult life, but you know, she chose to go down a route of focusing on her creativity as her baby. That's her baby. Um, and that's what she became. She became the artist, the feminine, um, the female. It's just difficult to carry your papoose on your back <laughs> and your paintbrushes. <laughs> Um, and also it's a way it depends on what you want to do if you want to go and you want to be kind of exhibiting your work in some of the bigger um, art academies or whatever in London galleries um, you it's a choice it's a definite choice and I actually think it's quite a masculine way to arrive in a weird way and that's no disrespect to anybody it's just you know, you, you, it's a hard edge rather than a soft edge. Mm. Um, so yeah, I do think it has changed in terms of the narrative um, of what maybe people are painting, but the means to be able to voice your work or show your work is actually quite hard. You do those Monday lives on Instagram. Do you put them on Facebook as well? Yeah. Yeah. So people can find them in both places. So every morning you go live at 10, 10 o'clock, is it? What time is yeah, it? Yeah, you know, I started to do it partly because I used to teach at that time. Mm -hmm. so I didn't want to lose that kind of momentum on a sort of 10 o'clock on a Monday morning and I felt like, oh, it feels empty. So I needed to fill that space a bit. But also my dad... I realized my dad joins my lives on a Monday morning and as at the moment um well he has macular degeneration so he can't see so much anymore I knew that it was a different way of talking to him so um more and more it became at the beginning it was quite formulaic the way that I would do these lives I would kind of do it or perceive it like a lesson 
now I am doing a lot more mindfulness and breathing, um, kind of getting people to work on their um, parasympathetic nervous system to be really in a lovely calm space. Then they endeavor on a creative practice. And the calm part is really what my dad calls forest talk. Um, it's this space that a lot of people don't access. They don't like to step into meditation because it might feel a bit woo and uh, a little bit uncomfortable. But actually when people have done it and realize it's not at all and it's just this lovely window of breathing together um, and the power of that, it then allows people to access that part of their creative without using uh, the, the overthinking mind. Um, this sort of judgment, the mind monkeys that often kind of arrives and arises before we can stop them playing. So yeah, um, I've aligned it to be much more about a kind of calming formula now on a Monday morning. And it was probably with the idea that I could also access and have a little chat with my dad, but without me having to be directive. <laughs> I I just love that so much. So like, yeah, you're like keeping your dad like firmly in your heart as you're doing this. Like this is your way of what getting him to access parts of himself that he perhaps wouldn't be open to otherwise. I think generationally, I I've this is definitely about me becoming braver because um although the more that I step on into that realm on a personal level the stronger it feels for me and the more I can connect with my true voice. I think for a lot of people, it feels a little bit too far away from something we're kind of, as with everything, it, it, there's this formula. We, we think we need to go to church to pray. We need to um, be in a certain space to do a meditation. We need to be in a yoga class to do yoga. We need to be in an art studio to do art. And I've realized that if one lesson uh, that this strange time we've lived to has, has taught me is that we can do it all from anywhere. It's, you know, it's not about being in a, the right space. It's, and we, we all do that. We kind of turn up to an art class and we go, well, I haven't got the right, I haven't got the right pencils. Or, <laughs> and actually, do you really need the right pencils? Not really. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's really, really interesting how you can access people on a deeper level um, nowadays, I guess, um, through choice, but yeah. Do you feel like people are more open to that because of what's happened? How, how would you say that your work fits into the world today? Like what part do you, would you say your work, your work serves in, in, this, in this time and the changes we've been through? Yeah, I think... I think a lot of people are grieving for changes, not, not through having lost perhaps a person or anything like that, but having maybe lost part of maybe their school time, you know, their social interactive time. Um, so along a lot of younger people, I think as well, have, have really struggled. Um, and one way of kind of soothing that side to us is to do a soothing activity um and I've gone back to doing some face-to-face -face classes now so this idea of sharing energy through osmosis um and being part of a group of like-minded people but not even having to verbally kind of explain that just understanding that I think um I think it's really important so really I still feel the need to use my kind of teacherish status um healerish status to bring all the bits now or start to bring all the parts of me into one space and allow people to heal um and I think we've been through trauma and 
we don't have to, how to process trauma. We're not taught how to understand that there's a lesson even in the dark side. There's a lesson in the grief. Um, but I'm hoping that I can bring some light back. That's what I hope. I not everything needs to be scripted anymore. I think we just, we need to kind of find our own identities and shape shift a little bit into this version of ourselves that has kind of changed. Um, so yeah, I think that's my purpose is to continue really to spread my message with my colors and I can share that and hopefully for those people who don't feel the inclination to pick a paintbrush up themselves, they get something from looking at my work. Um, and then the other side is, you know, to to kind of build this confidence, confidence back up, um, to go back to some of the primal tools that we have. Um, and for also educational bodies to understand that if you don't bring some creativity into people's lives from the very beginning, before we start putting exams in front of them and they'll, they'll block it off. It will become a block and it remains a block and it becomes this kind of sad place. Whereas for me, art and creativity should be a light and happy place. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think I'm on the right path. <laughs> um, I just have to stay true to the course and straight to stay true to this um, curiosity. I've kind of reopened that a lot more. I've stepped back into being that in the child again and kind of holding her hand on this journey. So I want to, I want to be able to do that with other people too. And you do. I mean, like, you know, I said that earlier on, like that is, that is your gift, like totally is your gift. And I think I, I, I was asked, you know, I have a lot of stress in my life and I'm not very good at, at, at externalizing it. Like I sometimes don't even know that it's there until I get ill basically. And, um, I'm not saying like, you know, just to, just to clarify what my stress is, like, it's no different to anyone else's. Like, you know, I'm a busy mom, I've got my business and I'm not, you know, I don't, I, on the surface, like I'm calm quite a lot of the time, but it's inside, I can feel it. And I was asked the other day, cause you know, the stress in my body, as it does to, to a lot of people, it, it has a physical manifestation in terms of my health. And it comes out like I might get ill, like maybe once every couple of years, I get like ill and I'm really ill or I get, or I have, like I have my bloods tested and I have like imbalanced hormones and it's all down to stress, right? Like it, it is like the, the hormones reflect that and we don't take it seriously enough, like the amount of stress we carry. And the question that was asked to me by the lady that I was working with is what can you do to, to de-stress? And I was like, I've, I just don't know. And she said, well, what did you do when you were a child? What did you love to do when you were a child? Cause that gives you such an indication of, you know, what you, what you love and what you, how you, you know, like to, to sit in, in when you're in your own head, like for Caleb, it would be like, would be drawing or Lego for Savannah, it would be apparently right now making lists, but anyway, like whatever it is, like she loves being outside and playing. She's very like more hands-on for me. I never played with dolls. I never did anything like that, but I loved to color. Like I love to color, color, like have a coloring book and color in. And I love to go outside and like make potions. Right. And it's no wonder that now like I love to be outside foraging or messing around my garden because I've always loved that and I you know I've tried to start doing some coloring as well and wouldn't it be amazing and I think this is like such a big part of what you teach is that we carry that knowledge 
with us from a child like this is what calms me this is what connects me to nature this is what connects me to myself we carry that it's not we it's not suppressed because we feel all this pressure to achieve academically get a job be a perfect this be a perfect that it's actually part of our vocabulary part of of how we live from childhood hopefully for most people they do tend to get that experience as children hopefully um but then we carry it through and I think you know that it is a gift of yours to to help help people recognize the importance of that I think that's what really comes down to it's not just like a oh this would be nice to go and do some painting like there's actually a real importance behind it which has perhaps been even more highlighted over the last two years yeah yeah absolutely I think and as I say to people it isn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to paint you can use your recipes as a tool this can be your tool like making your potions that's your tool you don't need to necessarily follow my kind of path at all in terms of drawing and painting and all of that part but as long as you access that as long as you understand which potions you need to put together and you make something and you satisfy satisfy and you self-soothe doing that and you feel (sighs) so a lot of people will sigh during my lessons there'll be a massive release of breath And I know, I know then, I just know that they're in the right space, but they've had to fight it a little bit sometimes to get to that point. Um, And it's just something that we have to step into. We have to push that fear part and that judgmental part to one side and just see what it feels like and see how you feel afterwards and like I said sometimes at the end of it you might still be like "Uh," judging 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 I always say just step away leave your art go away from it for a few days then come back you see it through new eyes and you see it in a completely different way so you know there's also sort of a formula out of um the inner critic arising but we can always find reasons not to. There's a million and one reasons not to do something that's good for us. You know, like, especially when you start to feel that kind of stress in your body and you feel it sitting here, rising up, but you're not quite sure why. And you're like, no, I'm fine. This is life. This is normal. Actually, that's probably the indication that you start, you need to start just sidestepping a little bit and thinking, okay, I need to get my coloring book out and start playing but before we get to the point where we're feeling destroyed exhausted you know kind of lost the will a little bit really um yeah so I'm I'm really glad that you're stepping in back into your coloring it's lovely oh yeah no I do love coloring and yeah I made a a mushroom tincture the other day I cannot tell you how excited I was (laughs) wow I've seen you've been doing loads of um beautiful things with mushrooms and oh it's just the season the season's incredible at the moment um just for kind of looking and foraging and being on the forest floor rather than looking upwards I love it and I'm feeling like inspired to like start maybe paint some mushrooms I don't know like I'm kind of like feeling into that but um yeah just the the kind of creativity behind making the tincture like I mean it was just literally putting like blended dehydrated mushrooms that I collected into a jar and covering it in vodka to be honest like that's what it was but then you leave it for four weeks and then you come back to it and there's more of the process and it was just like I used to just love going around the garden and collecting little petals and putting them in bottles to make perfumes and it's all an opportunity everything I mean you can make dyes from plants did a little bit of that over the first kind of lockdown I was much more kind of embracing all these new things that I felt like I hadn't accessed for ages so going into the garden and hammering petals to kind of make beautiful little patterns and 
it's lovely when you reopen that curiosity and it's like a sparkly thing that it's magic it's magic it really is I don't know if you've done this Anna I'm sure you'd love it there's a mushroom called the shaggy ink cap and it's white and tall and it's got like you can find it definitely do this I think you'd love it and you can put it in a pot and leave it for like 24 to 48 hours and it turns into ink lovely it's so cool like I just I think that's so amazing um so I think you know it would be wonderful to hear I think you've kind of touched on this but what what would you love to be known for like at the end of your days how would you love to be described known for so interestingly um the there was an artist that I really admire who I mentioned earlier a lady called Hilma Afklimt um and her legacy so she created these images in her lifetime that she felt were way too avant-garde for anybody's eyes of her sort of generation to see so part of her will was to tell her nephew that he was only allowed to release her work after 20 years because by that point people would be ready to see what they needed to see from it um and I just think that's such a profound and strong idea, you know, that you're you're so true to your path and true to your work that maybe you're creating something that you can't even visualize happening now or even within 20 minutes, uh, 20 years, sorry, or even within 100 years, I don't know. Um, I think my legacy alongside my pieces of work and you know I I hope that over time people get something from them um they're always a pleasure for me to produce um and that therapeutic side but I want to keep this mission going and moving forward that creativity is an intrinsic part of being human it helps us to connect with nature the world the universe in a visual sense it supports and helps others to make those connections too and I don't want society or even the sort of technological side of things to to eliminate that pure access to pigment, which comes from mineral, which comes from rock. We need to keep that journey, that connection to ground, root, earth, cell, human being, you know, language. We need to keep that going. And that would be my legacy that I'm a great believer that creativity is at the core will always be at the core and we should be embracing it that's a great legacy thank you (laughs) (laughs) and you've passed it you've passed whether it's like whether it's through what you've done with her or just from gene to gene you have passed on yourself to Gracie, haven't you? Yeah. Your daughter. I, I, this is why school doesn't worry me too much for her because I feel like she's got such a strong um, access to that side of her. It's such a big part of her, whether it's, so she often draws before she'll go to sleep um, or she'll still go in the garden and like, you know, dig up things and try and make things. Um, and she's moved into secondary school now so is that there is a transition Um, but yes she has access to that whenever she wants it and she knows that it's a gift and it's magic Um, but that's like I said it's creativity is not in a box it's not boxy Um, because for a long time my son's not that way inclined Mm. but he's much more 
he's much more kinesthetic. So he likes to figure out patterns of, he likes balls, so he plays basketball and football. He likes to figure out patterns and ways to throw and kind of challenge his creativity in that sense. So although we kind of like box creativity as being uh, an, in an art lesson in an art classroom, no, actually it could be far more used, you know, on a kind of level of mathematically or, or in a sports hall or so, I want, I think there needs to be a bit more of a cross section of the way that we teach and learn. Mm -hmm. So last question. Yes. What would you go back and say to your younger self? You've been doing some inner child work, you said. Mm. What, what would you go back and say to her if you could? And how old would you be? Who would you go back to? Um. So, okay, I had to do this the other day. Um, I'm doing a little bit of a feminine work at the moment. And one of those things was to go back on a journey um, and to give myself a gift. And the gift that I gifted myself was a paintbrush. Uh, and I would probably have been looking at myself as maybe sort of six-year-old, maybe at primary school, not really understanding the way that connections were made and you know social interaction was a bit of a funny old place at that time but by gifting myself this paintbrush it was this totem to hold true to my story and to know that no matter how difficult things can feel that as long as I've got my my tool as long as I've got my paintbrush whatever it is to anybody that I would get through it so it was quite precious gifting yourself something actually to do that and consider what the gift is and why it would be useful I totally love that I might change this last question in my podcast to be that like what would you gift yourself like I I love that it's so beautiful yeah thank you Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I'm on this journey now and I feel like I need to say it with my voice, not just think it with my head. Mm. Um, so actually speaking my truth is a really great thing. So thank you. I didn't share the full end of our conversation in, in the main body of, of the podcast but Anna shared with me at the end how important it felt for her to be able to convey her story in that way and to have the space to do so and she's not the first woman who's come into this space who has shared that with me in fact, it's more common than not common that the women that come into the world of the Sounds of the Rising share that. And I think that's an important thing to share here because I know that many women listening to this may have the feeling that, you know, these women that come into this space have a a real sense of themselves and find it very, very easy to share their story and their experiences. Um, and perhaps that it's commonplace for them to do so, but it's not. And the sounds of the rising came to me and told me that she needed to exist because it is so important that women have this space to be able to share their stories with other women and that other women have these stories to listen to. I, I get messages all the time from women that listen. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I know that is um, possibly you that I'm speaking to now. And they confirm for me how important it is for them to hear these messages. I just wanted to say today, here at the end of this podcast, 
that that doesn't just float over my head oh thank you you know thank you for messaging me to say you enjoy the podcast it's not something that I just receive and you know move on with my day it's really important to me every time I hear that it's really important to me and I I am grateful I am grateful that this space exists and that I'm able to hold it but it's bigger than me and I recognize that so thank you as always for listening and I have some really wonderful wonderful guests coming up over the next couple of months to round off 2021 and I even have women ready to speak in 2022. When it comes to Anna's work you will find how to find her in the show notes of this podcast. I really encourage you to go and check out her Instagram page. Anna has been using Instagram for longer than I have, in fact her husband Pietro was the one who told me to jump on the bandwagon way back when I wish I'd taken heed a little bit earlier when he originally told me he was hot off the press with that one Um, but you can go and find her on Instagram also on Facebook also her website is linked up you can see her beautiful art there and please go and check out her Monday morning sessions that are free on Facebook and Instagram they are really beautiful whenever I have a moment I I try and join her just really for her presence more than anything else because it is so calming so thank you for being here and for everything that you are I hope you have a great week and I will see you next week much love